0: Well, I am so thankful to be here. Grace and Truth Church and all of you that are here and all of you that are listening other places, uh, wanna recognize you again in Frankfurt, Germany for some reason, you've been on my heart. I see how faithful you are. And uh, and those of you in Singapore, Brazil, even Russia and the uh, United Kingdom, Canada, those of you here in the United States, all over, God bless you. Praying for you, just as I do. All of those here in our midst, and uh, the Spirit of God knows no distance. Amen. 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 Seems like the world just going a little crazy sometimes, see? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, what do you call it? I'm not sheltered from that either. <laughs> I was this this morning I was just like everything just it just seems like a you know like Twilight Zone type morning. I look on the shelf and I see this uh, this this uh, tan colored box. You know I guess it came from Amazon Prime like everything else most of us get these days <laughs> and it says. This box is green. And I said, no, it's not. It's gray. It's tan, you know. But it says this box is green. <laughs> and so I said, well, well, we won't argue with this box. <laughs> but I said, well, and uh, Tavana was gone already. And so she had helped me. She had helped me as much as she could. And uh, so I went to, I would got cleaned up and I was, starting to get dressed, so I had to, you know, you have to find a pair of socks, and uh, for me, uh, you know, I guess I should put them together <laughs> at some point, because putting two that look alike together when I need them is not always quick, so anyway, I'm like, Zoe, I'm talking to my dog, you know, and hey, Zoe, let's find a pair of socks, and, and I went, oh, okay, good, and here's a pair of underwear, and I said, now, Zoe, why do they call it a pair of underwear? You know, I'm talking to my dog. I said it's only one underwear. Why do they call it a pair? Or is that? And I said, do they call it a pair? Or is that just me and my family? I, everybody call it a pair. Why? I and I said I was like, and she looked at me like, well, I don't know, you know. And I'm like, I'm talking to my dog. I was embarrassed to ask the Lord and I started laughing about that and I said well Lord why do they call it a pair of underwear and he said I don't I only invented them and he did if you if you look in the when he was he was explaining the Levitical priesthood he invented underwear and they were nice ones too made out of linen yeah so anyway I mean that's how that's what goes on up here if you want it right (laughs) and my dog she just put on the biggest grin I said, you are so funny and cute. <laughs> but I'll tell you a joke. There was a <coughs> a little seven year old boy named Nolan, and uh, and uh, their church was in the the VFW. And the pastor, and there was a there was a the pastor noticed a little boy out in the foyer staring at a plaque up on the wall for a long time. And this plaque had hundreds of names on it and a and a little flag on each side. And so the pastor walked back there after a while and he said, Well, good morning, Nolan. He said, Oh Pastor Will. And he said, Well, what you doing? He said I was just, what's this? What's this uh, plaque here for? He said, "Well, that's for all of the men and women who have lost their lives in the service." He said, "Oh, which one? The 9 a.m. or the 10:30?" <laughs> took up new life, though, in Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us and for all of your beautiful people, Lord. We thank you for the church. We thank you for your love, for your word, your promises, and the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for helping us today to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ to so that we might tear down, pull down strongholds and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for using me today and blessing everyone who hears this message at any time. In Jesus' name, amen. In Isaiah 53, I'm just going to read... Familiar passage of scripture I was reflecting on yesterday. Verses 4 through 6. says, surely he, speaking of Jesus. This was 700 years prior to Jesus being born. Isaiah was prophesying. Isaiah 53 verses 4 through 6. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs. That's our calamity, our sicknesses, our diseases, our anxiety, and carried our sorrows. That's our pains, both physical and emotional, our anger, our stress, our depression. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Glory to God. You know what we need, folks, is a revelation of the grace of God. You know what revelation knowledge is? You hear that term a lot in the church. It's just where the light bulb would go on. And you're not just in your mind, because you can learn this whole Bible and have it in your mind. But it's when when there's a transfer of the spiritual man, the God man in you to your heart. And there's a knowing. The light comes on and the heart of man is a combination of the spirit and the soul. You see, you've got to get into this soulish realm where it becomes reality to you, where the spiritual things which created the natural things are more real to you than the natural things that you see. The carnal Christian is one who lives not necessarily sinful life, but one who just bases his life on what they can see, hear, taste, smell and touch. The natural senses, but the, what we need is for to allow God to add His super to our natural. Amen. That's the life we're called to. If your life isn't supernatural, it's superficial. The grace of God is simply defined as the unearned, unmerited, undeserved favor and blessing and acceptance of God toward all who put their trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. Some like to say it like this. Grace, the five-letter word, God's riches at Christ's expense. Amen. Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 through 4. Jesus said this, he called a little kid over to him. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He called a child over to himself and he put the child right there in the midst of everyone who he was ministering to around him. And he told them, he says, truly, I I, I tell you, unless you become like children, like this little child. You're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know many little children? If you don't, you have. They're not always really humble, are they? Why do we need to become like that child? First of all, we need to children are totally dependent upon others right yes. their fa- their parents let's just say the father they say that in a world we live in and it brings confusion unfortunately but that's the devil done that not God total dependence and that's what he's pointing out that we must be totally dependent upon our Heavenly Father, and trust in Him. And live a life of faith that He's called us to. He said, my righteous shall live by faith. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, by the way. I say, we need to become like children so that we believe like children. I want you to draw on your memory, he thinks, a little bit. Because the essence, I think, of what he's tapping into there, what he showed me yesterday is to, to regain that, that awestruck wonder that a child has. Oh, you had it at one time. You had it at one time, if you don't now. Some of you still do. Some of you are remembering now. You need to tap into that. And you need to live by it. Because if we don't, it can hinder our relationship with the Lord. We need to find it again. And I would point you to the Bible. (laughs) To do that. We got a lot of times we believe in our minds. We have mental ascent, right? We like knowing things and learning. And we, we can come to learn things, but to get it into our hearts, that's, that's what makes the difference. Instead, we're so preconditioned to performance-based acceptance in this world. And that can, like I said, hinder our relationship with God if we approach Him that way. Because I, I have news for you. you. We can't be good enough for God. Not in our own power, our own ability, our own attitudes or actions. And it's You know, you really want a revelation of the grace of God. It doesn't matter how much you've broke God's law. It doesn't even matter. Not to God. You know why? He's not grading on a curve. We laugh. But there's a place in all of us where we still we still believe He is. You know? Well, there's different types of lies. There's, you know, your little white lies and this, side, that. in the book of Revelation it doesn't say there's a place in the lake of fire for all liars. And we see that you have the Ten Commandments and then when they talk to Jesus about them he, He didn't he diminished them, he upgraded them. <laughs> he made it even harder. One time when I was living in Dallas, or Rowlett, which is a suburb on the northeast side of Dallas, I had a I had old sliding glass patio door. And the, you know how they and they get old them old mill finish aluminum ones, and you get you don't clean the tracks like you should, and they, they don't slide right and all that. And I had one of them that was a yanker, you know. <laughs> and one night, I I think I was good and drunk. And I was trying to get that thing shut. And and you know, you could lift up on that that whole sash is basically just a big window sitting at a track, and you could do that. And I did that and i Somehow I fell through it, I I, and fell on top of it, and the whole thing just shattered into a million pieces. It cut my hand; I got a scar right there to remind me of it. How (laughs) foolish I was! That thing was in a million pieces all over that patio. I just went laid down in my bed and woke up the next morning, and I was like, I felt like the Godfather movie. I was ah. (laughs) Then I remembered where all the blood came from. I'm not bragging on this, but I'm just telling you that <laughs> God's law and his holiness are perfect. And everyone and everything in his presence must be as well. It's like that plate glass window, once broken, it's shattered. It can't be fixed. I know some of you are thinking, well, I cracked one one time and we put some duct tape on it. Listen, I'm talking about when it's broken, it's shattered. It can't be fixed. It has to be replaced. huh? To be made perfect. God didn't just come here as a man to come and fix you up the gospel isn't about a self-help program it's not about behavior modification that's the byproduct of the relationship jesus came to make you new a brand new creation romans 10:4 good buddy. Can do a whole message on the 10-4s. There's a lot of good ones. Y'all go seek seek them out, 10-4 scriptures. Romans 10-4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone who believes. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is the end of good behavior as a means to try to obtain or achieve right standing with God. It doesn't work. You can be the biggest philanthropist in the world and have a little jail cell in hell. I know it. I hear it all the time. Well, he's just he's such a good person. Doesn't have anything to do with it. That's right. It's good to be a good person, and it's good for this life. God is so good that his, his, his spiritual laws apply to even the unjust. Those unjust who have not been justified by the blood of Jesus, just as if I'd never sinned. So anyone who's not saved is unjust. I don't care how good they become. Live, Their good living and right behavior and right doing will benefit them in this life. God calls us the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He's just good that way. But it's not going to help their eternal address. James 2.10 says it like this. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at just one point. Has become guilty of it all. Yeah. And I'm not talking about just the big ten. I'm talking about, you know, with the with the Jews there was over six hundred and something they added to the ten. It just kept getting worse and worse. That's what religion does to you folks. So you're accountable for every law there is if you just broke one little tiny, just like that plate glass window. <laughs> And the sentence for that crime is death. God is a holy God, a just God. He holds himself accountable to his own word. Thank God for that Roman road to salvation. huh? There is none just. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 For the wages of sin is death, but praise be to God. The gift of God, the gift of God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 And then in Romans 10.9 it goes on to say, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says for our sake God the Father made him Jesus Christ his son to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. If your Bible says, might become, like most of our translations do, just cross that out. I'll tell you right now, the King James has it right, because you were made righteous. You're not becoming righteous. Now your soulish realm is still being renewed, but you are a spirit, and that spirit, man, has been perfected once and for all, forever, by the one sacrifice, Jesus Christ. So thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Amen. What a gift. Christianity isn't about what we do, right? Say, I'm not a do-to-be, I'm I'm a be-to-do. It's about what Jesus did. Christianity is not about what you do. It's about what Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, raise your hand. Get him up. Thank you, Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is why it's imperative that people understand spirit, soul, and body, the three part human being. Because God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He created you in His image, you are a spirit. With a soul in a body. I have here in my Bible a preacher once preached a, a nice message. He's a good friend of mine. Well, he's a friend. It was he preached a message about kintsugi, and I think I've talked about that before. It's a Japanese art form, a craft that I put kintsugi in and it put it's not over yet with Jesus. And that was the essence of his message. Kintsugi is when they break a piece of pottery or a vase or something like that. Instead of throwing away the pieces, they take and they put gold to put it back together. You see the pieces? Like we'll take super glue. They use gold and melt it, you know, and put in the... And it comes out something more precious and more valuable with all of its defects... And everything. The brokenness. Repaired. And so. It's a very sweet message. Right? It's just not true. Jesus didn't come to fix us up. Patch us up. And send us back on our way. Uh Uh-uh. We died with him on the cross. And are resurrected to new life. As a new human being. That. That. I started thinking about that. And it's not totally wrong, but you have to understand spirit, soul, and body. Because who you really are, that's not what happened in your spirit. Now in your soulish realm, and maybe even this body, God's going to... He will take that mess of a life and turn it into a message. Huh? But to understand grace you need to understand that it's, it's not the old you that's fixed up and telling that story now. No, now it is Jesus Christ living his life through you. You just need to put faith in his grace, his finished work. And let him live. Let let the world see Jesus. Let his light shine in and through you and, and be at peace. Amen. Isn't that a gift that he gave us in John 14, 27? See, the war between you and God is over, folks. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Even though temporarily, you're still in a battle. Like Messiah was saying this morning. I feel like she just came back from redeployment when she got home to the church. Here on the mountaintop, everything is wonderful with God. But out there, there are lots of battles. My precious wife, this morning she suited up, soldiered up and she stopped when she was backing out of the driveway and we talked there for a minute. She rolled her window down and she said, remember who you are. You're a soldier. For Jesus. Amen. But you're free now. In Christ. Amen. Amen. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified, just as if I'd never sinned, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful place to be. 1 Peter 2.16, Peter, Peter said, now, live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Yeah. So, you hear the message, and some some people may think, well, you're saying I don't need to be good, but don't be bad. Which is it? Listen. Some people say, and I heard it growing up, don't read that Bible. That thing will make you crazy. You ever heard that? Lots of people say it. But I'm going to tell you something right now. This Bible will not make you crazy. Legalism will, though. So you got to be sure to read this through the new covenant lenses of grace. Every good thing in there, you need to see it as for you. Thank you, Father. Every bad thing, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I'm delivered from that. I'm protected from that. In Christ, I am free. In fr- Christ, I am forgiven. All the curses, thank you, Jesus, that you bore that on your body on the cross for me. Everything he took, you don't have to. All the divine exchanges of the cross, you need to explore and understand. And read this whole thing in the new covenant lenses of grace and see the provision is in the promises. And his love for you and that you are a child of the most high God. Legalism creates an unholy fear of God and man. I talk about legalism, I'm saying religious actions. Things that people do to try to earn favor with God. Hmm? Jesus said, your traditions and doctrines of men have made the word of God of no effect. And we have to be careful of that too. Romans 10:4 for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. the end of the law to try to obtain right standing with God by your behavior. Christ ended all that. You see when when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior four deaths occurred. You died to sin. You died to the law. You died to yourself. And you died to the world. Now you have to put this on. You have to renew this mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Don't be transformed. Don't be poured into the mold of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Through the washing of the water of this word of God. Then your mind comes into agreement with your born again spirit you see and then this vessel will follow suit amen death to sin Romans what time do I have Romans chapter 6 Romans chapter 6 start reading in the first verse What shall we say then, Paul says? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And he almost cussed right here. By no means, exclamation point. How can we who died to sin, see there, still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion. Control or power, authority over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So, starting in the 11th verse. So you also must consider or reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's your part. You have to see this. The light bulb has to go on. Let not sin, therefore, let not. Is that God's part? Let not. No, that's our part. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You see, even though your spirit man was dead and now has been made alive in Christ, you are renewed, you are brand new and perfect in your spirit. Your flesh didn't didn't die. And it still wants what it wants. But God giving you instructions like this, let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. That means now, unlike before, when you could say, even jokingly, but sort of meaning it, the devil made me do it. Now you have nothing compelling you to be obedient to the flesh. You tell it what to do. And who are you? You're a spirit with a soul In a vessel. How foolish to let that vessel dominate you, a child of the Most High God and an ambassador here in this earth to a sick and dying world, to be conformed to this world. When you have the kingdom of God and the armies of heaven at your disposal. Therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall, will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Well, I thought the grace of God just meant that, hey, Jesus paid for it all. and I can do whatever I want. This here is telling me that the grace of God is what empowers me to not to let not sin to have dominion over me, and it said I wouldn't have had this power if I were still under the law. Isn't that something? What then are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means, he said it again. Do you not? know that if you present yourselves as someone to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have been obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Galatians five twenty four says, "And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires." So anyone who thinks that it's okay to to continue in the sin that we lived in before we knew Jesus, they don't have a revelation. Of grace. They don't have understanding. Of the true grace of God. And they've seen some. Some corrupted version of it. Which is very rampant. In this society and culture. See the enemy. Has. A lot of church members. Just like in the old days. You know when the Russians. And the. Americans, which I'm sure they still do it, but when the Iron Curtain was up and they had spies all infiltrated amongst the people, the devil has the same thing in the church. I don't know why I said that? If you think that it's, and I'm, not, I know you don't, but I'm trying to help us to gain a revelation of the grace of God. Which is very liberating and empowering. Yeah. But anyone who thinks that the grace of God is just a license to sin. Well, they just need to read the one page book in this Bible called Jude. The brother of Jesus who who blasted those people who thought like that. But anyone who thinks that it's okay. They've really moved away from grace. And to move away from grace... Is to move away from Jesus. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's where the name of this church came from. The other thing is the death to the law. So that's death to sin. Death to the law also took place. At just keeping the law or keeping being good As a means to achieve God's acceptance. Go to the book of Galatians. You all with me? All right. This is powerful. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Galatians, right? 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Okay, Galatians chapter 1. I'm just going to have to pick and choose a little bit here. Galatians is a powerful book. If you want to see, if you want to see, if you want to come against people who are legalists. You know what I mean? Because Paul, he uh, he was pretty blunt sometimes. <laughs> and he said here, uh, well, look, how he started off, you know, with the majority of the New Testament um, books start out with grace and peace In the second and third verse grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ the only place it comes from folks who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age look at that according to the will of god our father to whom be glory forever and ever amen he says here i'm astonished he's writing to this church in Galatia. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of some who trouble you and want to destroy, distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to one we preach to you, let him be accursed." As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Oh, there's a mouthful. Go to the second chapter and look at starting around the 16th verse. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. You see that? But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, you see that? If I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law. So he's saying, if you're trying to earn right standing with God, you you nullify, or set aside, or frustrate the grace of God. You know what it, you know what they were doing there in in the in Galatian church. He's talking about circumcision here. Now, is there anything wrong with circumcision? No, you know our culture. I mean, pretty much everybody is circumcised. But he said, "But what they were doing? They were they were that was part of their religious tradition. They were saying people couldn't be saved unless they were circumcised on the eighth day and all this. So there were traditions and doctrines of men. And they were they were this was a church. So these were these were what we would call today messianic Jews, people who had turned." And, and believed on Jesus, but they were adding a little to it, you see. Yeah, Jesus is the way, but you still have to keep these laws in order to be saved. It doesn't matter if you're talking about circumcision or, or putting your hair in bondage or knocking on a box. I, whatever it is, I, I don't care. I'm like Paul. I I don't care about those who are supposed to be important. I know Jesus. I love them and I respect everyone. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love them and pray for them. I, but if they tell me something other than what the Lord has said, then, then hey, I'm not going to let them be, uh, I'm not going to be accursed with them. Look in the third chapter. Just the, The first five verses, especially in this month. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Somebody wrote a book about witchcraft in the church. Kenneth Hage, I think. And it is very prevalent today. And there are no good witches, like I said last week. And you don't have to wear a black pointy hat and have warts on your big green nose to be a witch. It was before your eyes. He said, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, by works of the law, by your good deeds? Or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? Glory to God. See, Oh, Lord, help me. Look at it. It's like this. The law is perfect and holy. Huh? Nothing wrong with the law. But the law will show you your sin, won't it? (laughs) Just hang the Ten Commandments in your living room. (laughs) It's not going to bless you. (laughs) The law will show you sin, but it can't free you from your sin. You know what I'm saying? Are you all hearing me? It's an important point. The law can show you your sin, but it it has no power to free you from it. It's like looking in the mirror in the morning. I can go look in the mirror in the morning and it can show me that I need to shave. Right? But if I take it off that wall and I try to shave with that mirror, I'm just going to get all cut up. That's what the law will do to you. It'll point out your transgressions, but only to condemn you. It can't fix you. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 56 says, The law is the strength of sin. (laughs) The law is the strength of sin. Isn't that weird? Well, didn't he just say that that sin will not have dominion or control over you because you're not under the law but under grace? So there, we used, to, there used to there was a story like there, there there's this there's this this row of houses. There's this little pretty little yellow house on this street where all the kids walk past every day to go to to, to the to the bus stop and then walk past it to go home for years beautiful little house nothing's ever happened to it the man decides one day to go put a sign out in the front yard that do not throw rocks at this house and within 2 or 3 days there wasn't an unbroken window in that house where there was lo- no law there was no transgression you see <laughs> but you just say you will not and something inside says I will. <laughs> I gotta try it. The law is the strength of sin. That's why we're not do to bees. We don't do good to be accepted with God. We're be to do's. And the grace of God is the power and provision of God to be and to do all He has created us to be and to do. And it's awesome. Amen. Death to self. And I'll just bypass this one. But in Matthew chapter 16 and in Luke chapter 9, this is where Jesus talks about taking up your cross daily. Dying to yourself. Take up your cross daily. Why? You have to do it daily. Because like I said, your new man was reborn and perfect and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Perfect forever. One third of your salvation is over. But your mind is still being renewed and this flesh still wants what it wants. So every day, you're a living sacrifice. But the problem with the living sacrifices is they want to keep crawling down off the altar. So every day, when you come to that crossroads where it says, this is what I want to do, but it's not what God wants me to do. You pick up your cross and you go with God. Amen. Amen. That's bearing your cross daily. So you die to self. Your, your plans, your vision, your will, your wants. It doesn't mean that you won't, God doesn't want you to have anything. He just doesn't want to have in you. But he's got his own plan for your life. And until you surrender to that, you're never going to find out how wonderful and beautiful and much greater than anything you could have ever imagined or thought you wanted or needed. Because your peace and your purpose and your provision and your joy is going to be found in his plan for your life. Amen or O oh me. And lastly is death to the world. Says a friend of the world is enemy of God. Galatians 6, verses 13 through 15 says, For even those who are circumcised, again, talking about these law keepers who are trying to earn their way to heaven, do not themselves keep the law. Yeah, they're hypocrites. Every time you find legalism, you're going to find it. Mean, angry people. You see, if you're a true Christian and you under the grace of God, you won't be mad about it. <laughs> you know? Christians should not be as mean as a snake. If if you're arrested for being a Christian, there should be enough evidence to convict you. Amen. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised. See, they think they're they're right doing, and then they want to impress others by making showing you off. You see. but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. He didn't say you couldn't be circumcised. You know, just like Messianic Jews today. They can still have all their suppers and feasts and Passover, and and Lord, I hope they get circumcised. But if they're depending on any of that to have right standing with God, they better watch out. They better watch out. Because here's here's the equation. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There was a guy, and you'll see it like in uh, Andrew Womack's healing testimonies or healing journeys. They have lots of different people and testimonies <laughs> how they got healed from things. There was a guy, I can't remember his name. I heard him tell the story a few times. But he had this growth on his, like, like right here somewhere. Like, and it was some sort of a, a tumor or something. And it just kept growing. And it got really nasty, you know what I mean, where it was like uh, gross and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, and and he just believed for his healing. He was believing for healing. And he just kept believing and believing. And this went on for like two years to where his wife had to create something for him. She cut like one of the pockets out of the bra and put it on him and she would change it and dress it for him. But he just believed he was healed and and he just sort of just forgot about it. You know, he just they tended to it and stuff, so it was there, but it wasn't he was just believing God. He said by Jesus' stripes I'm healed and that was it. But then one day a guy from the church came over. He sat down and tells him so and so he goes, you know, you're really doing good, believe in God for your healing and everything. But there's just one thing that you're lacking. And something snapped inside of him. And he stood up and he got in that guy's face and he goes, I'm not lacking an effing thing. All I need is Jesus. And by his stripes I am healed. Gee, I don't need anything except for Jesus. And now, you know, you can do that without the cussing. But remember how I told you the violent take it by force, your inheritance, the enemy's trying to keep from you. That moment set in play. Every It just it started just within a, a couple of weeks. It was gone. You get my point. Grace frees us from legalism. It frees us from the fear of man. The true gospel is all about Jesus. It's not about us. There's, there's nothing that we can add to Him. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm free of the fear of, of a poor performance. I'm free of the fear of man. And when I got free, and I'm free of myself, when I got freed from me and from the world, I got freed from you. So that, that that that's good for you, because you see, it doesn't. Now I'm not compelled to stand up here and preach a message that I'm sure won't offend anyone here, and I have to take inventory: who's here, what they've been through, how much they give to the church. Will this be offensive? You see, that would not be fair to God. It would not be fair to you. I'm free of you in that regard. Because I love you, I'm free of you. It's more important what God says than what anyone else says or thinks in this life. Like I said, when I stand in front of the Lord, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And not just, well, I guess you're done. I'm free. I'm free because of the grace of God, because of the love of God, because I'm justified and I know it. I'm sanctified. I'm righteous in His eyes. I'm accepted and loved in the family of God as a a child of God. And because of that revelation knowledge, I live holier now by accident, by the grace of God than I ever could on purpose when I was trying to earn his favor, which just led to frustration and anger and bitterness and resentment and discouragement, you see? What's Romans 10:4 say? For Christ is the end of the law as a means to gain acceptance from God for righteousness to everyone who believes. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Galatians 2:20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. You have to get a revelation of this. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, or by the faith. You actually have the faith of Jesus Christ, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you love us so much. Messiah, will you come and play, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us. Lord, I just speak blessings and health and wholeness and peace and provision and a superabundance of great grace on the lives of everyone who hears this message and everyone who's here today. Everyone who came with any lack, I just thank you, Lord, that it has been met right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for breakthroughs, Lord, that people have been believing for. I thank you, Lord, that anything, the the things that people have been trying to to be rid of in their lives, that those things are broken right now in the name of Jesus. Sin shall not have dominion over us because we are not under the law but under grace. It's all about what Jesus has done. There's nothing that we can add to it. We're just going to rest in his finished work and we will be... Be to is not do to bees. We have been made righteous and holy in Christ so that we can be and do all that He's created us to be and do by His power, His authority, His peace, His love, His joy, already abiding fruit of the Spirit inside of us. We'll just draw on that by faith, Lord, and we will begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord. I just speak healing and health and wholeness over everyone hearing this message in the name of Jesus Christ. I I speak restoration to relationships, children coming home to their parents, children who've been out of pocket and out serving the devil. Lord, they're just changing their mind. They're just repenting like that prodigal son and coming on home. And we're going to be waiting for them with open arms, Lord. And we're going to have a big party and we're just going to say thank you, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, for all of the healing power that by Jesus stripes. We we are healed. We were healed 2,000 years ago. We just draw on that, that provision that has already been made. We give these physical realities no place to have a resting place in these vessels, these temples of the Holy Spirit of God. We reject all sickness, all cancer, all infirmity, all disease. No germ can touch our bodies and live. We just rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We cancel every assignment of the enemy against us. And we call ourselves healed and whole from the crown of our heads to the soles of our feet in the name of Jesus Christ. We are prosperous. We will abound in every good work so that you will make all grace abound to us so we have all sufficiency in all things at all times to do every good work, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that we will have no lack The Lord is our shepherd. We will not lack any good thing. And we just thank you, Lord, that we can rest in that and trust in you. All provision is being made and it is on the way. The ram in the bush is already headed up the other side of that mountaintop. that We are walking up, Lord. Our provision is already waiting on us in a place called there where you have called us to be so that we might be and do all that you've created us to be and to do. And we love you for it. We thank you for the precious word. Let it take root and bear fruit in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.